Would you open God's precious holy word to 1 Peter chapter 1, preserved by the grace of God. The saints of God are spread across what we know now as Turkey. They were, they were described, we've seen that already in the first couple of chapters. Nero is the Roman Caesar, and he is out to destroy Christianity. So Christians are under a great persecution, suffering. They're having a hard time making a living. They're despised. They're outcasts wherever they are. And Peter, Paul probably already has been martyred. Peter is alive still. And he's writing to an area, a section where Christians are, where Paul didn't go. He didn't write to those particular Christians. But this is a, this is a, a writing from Peter to those who have, who have fled. They're called scattered, the scattered elect of the dispersion. They are the seed carriers of the gospel. And we saw last time how God put them where he would have them that they might be set upon a particular area to scatter the seed of the gospel for those who were the, the citizens there, who were not the sojourners, they were the people who, who lived there. So the thought follows up now that these saints of God are preserved by the grace of God. This is, this, this is just such great teaching here. Let's look at it, okay? First of all, in giving and continuing to give them hope. You see, those of us in Christ, we have hope that the world doesn't have. The natural man invests his life into the present life. And he seeks his joy in the here and now. Always and forever pursuing the next great pleasure. Greater than the one he's had before. Because those of the world who are not in Christ cannot see beyond this life. And all they have for their hope is in the here and now. Peter, however, writes to the believers, those who are in Christ, about the hope that we have. Now he continues on and further defines that hope. Number one, God has rebirthed us. We are not the same. Blessed, now this is a doxology, this is a praise. Peter's inserting this saying, you know, even though we're persecuted and we're suffering in this life, this life is not our life. This is not our joy. Our citizenship is not here. We are looking for something far above this, better than this, and here is our praise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who according to his great mercy 
having begotten us again, who has made us to be born again to a living hope. Now those in the Roman Empire who despised the Christians had a hope that was not a living hope, it's a dead hope. If the only greatest hope that you have is in this life or in the things of this life, it's a dead hope. You won't be dead very long. People will forget who you are. People won't remember. They won't know. You know, all the time from the journals that I get and so forth, there's always some tomb of somebody uh, being unearthed. I was reading how, uh, was it in Cuba? Somewhere in the... Latin American area, some great civilization, what was, was, was apparently a great civilization in its day was on earth. Nobody knows about it. Etchings that were, couldn't be translated right now and needed a lot of study. Tombs that were apparently tombs of, of kings or leaders or priests or something, but nobody knows who they are. Back when that civilization was active, those guys were the greatest ones of their day. They never dreamed, I suppose, of their hope, well, their hope in this life, that their hope would just fade and then it would disappear under a marsh of water and nobody would ever know. You read about things like that all the time. A city not long ago, uh, off of a coast of a Mediterranean, I can't remember where it was, I don't know if it was Greece, somewhere. A city, a, a big city was, was, it's underwater, but it was discovered and it was a vast city. It had its columns and its etchings and being of the old Greek, people could read what, uh, what was being said there in the etchings and so forth. And there were accolades of, of, uh, of characters who were named, whose tombs could not be found, probably disappeared through the centuries in the water of the Mediterranean, once a vibrant city, they're gone, gone. Not far from my grandmother Collins's house in Paint Rock. A friend of mine and I, when we were teenagers, spent a week during AEA, if anybody remembers that, spring break, I guess you'd call it, uh, and we explored Paint Rock. We went all the way to the top of that hill, that mountain, followed a, followed a water pipeline. Up. <laughs> that was a pretty rough day. That was a hard hike. We got to pilfering around in the woods, and we found an old graveyard covered up. Vines, tree branches, leaves, growth, weeds. And it was on the same road where my grandmother lived, but it was off the road maybe... 200 to 300 yards, but it was in kudzu and trees. And I don't know how it got lost. There probably were, I don't know, a dozen graves there. And there were gravestones that had been carved out. There were people buried there who had been born in the 1700s. And I'm thinking, how did this, how did this ever get lost to people? This thing out here in the middle of these woods, and here's a graveyard that somewhere, some generation finally had moved off or what, and just didn't care for the 
graves anymore. And they were just becoming part of the woods. To have your hope in this life is a dead hope. And it'll die with you. However, in Christ, we have a living hope that never dies. Our joy is not in this life. Our greatest joy is yet to come. We have been born again. We've been regenerated. We are new creatures in Christ. We are not how we were when we were born into the race of Adam. We have been spiritually reborn in Christ. And our hope is a living hope and it never dies. And all that there is about us will never die into the ages of the ages. Having begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ out from the dead. As surely as he has been resurrected, the same spirit, Paul says to the Romans, will raise us from the dead. As surely as he lives, we will live. This is our living hope. But he goes on from there. God's children are his heirs. Let's look at this. A living hope to an inheritance that is, first of all, imperishable. Ophthaton, imperishable, undecaying, incorruptible. It's a word that speaks of something that decays. It dies and it decays. It goes into corruption. So we have an inheritance that is imperishable. That is to say, it is indestructible. Number two, the inheritance is undefiled. Amiantum, undefiled. Now, this speaks of purity. It speaks of that which is without stain. It's not stained. It's pure. So we have an inheritance that will never pass away, never die, never perish. It's indestructible. We have an inheritance that is always kept pure. Oh, the blessed blood of Jesus Christ, which has cleansed me from my sin forever. We all are stinkers. We all sin. Most of the New Testament is written to Christians who have been saved but they're not getting things right. They're sinners. They're, they're in sin. And so they're being corrected by the apostles, by the Holy Spirit through the pen of the apostles. But a part of my living hope is even through my life and into the grave, that which he has given me will always be pure. Not because of who I am or what I've done, but because of Christ whose righteousness covers me and whose blood has cleansed me. This is the atonement of Christ. I'm redeemed in Christ. And that which God has given to me as a joint heir of Christ is always pure because God has declared it to be so. I've been justified. 
And I've been sanctified, set apart. And God has declared that that all that what, of which I'm a part, which is summed up in the phrase in the previous slide, a living hope. All that is summed up into that will always be pure. Not because of who I am, but because of the truth that I am in Christ. And Christ has paid the penalty for me on the cross. Christ has cleansed me by the power of his blood. Christ is the righteousness whose righteousness I can claim. So that when God looks upon me, he sees me covered in the righteousness of his only begotten son. I am saved and cleansed by the blood of the lamb. So it won't ever decay this inheritance that is ours in heaven. It will never decay. It will never be impure. It will always be the purest of pure by the declaration of God through the work of Christ, my Lord, in my behalf. Finally, and unfading. Amartanon. Unfading. That's a that's a term that can be used of a flower. It's a term that could be that could reference a perennial, a flower, a beauty that never fades. A life that is indestructible. An existence that is pure in the sight of God through Christ. And an inheritance that never loses its beauty. It is an unfading thing. It is a thing that God has declared is ours and is ours forever. But he goes on from there. This inheritance is protected by the power of God. Let's look at it here, continuing on in this passage. This, this inheritance is being reserved or being kept in heaven for you who are being guarded by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Let's go back up here. It is being reserved or being kept. Teteriminon. Okay, that's a word that describes a sentinel. It's being watched over. If you've ever been to Washington, D.C., the tomb of the unknown soldier, there's always a guard there all the time. It's a beautiful illustration of my life in the presence of my Heavenly Father through what his son has done for me. I am always kept. And I'm always being guarded. Let me, please, let me tell you how important the original text gives this to us. Being reserved, that comes from a Greek word that is, it's a participle, but it's in the perfect passive. In the perfect tense. It refers to something, it refers to an action that has been accomplished at a specific point in time 
which will have continuing results that will not stop. Now, in the passive, it's perfect passive. So it's in a perfect tense, a passive voice. So the passive voice means that the action is being supplied by another. So something outside of me is acting upon me and that uh, that action creates effects or results of which I shall benefit. So perfect passive refers to the inheritance. Now it would include the dwelling place where I should be free. It'll include whatever is my inheritance. But my inheritance is a forever thing because of the language of the apostle. Perfect, uh, perfect tense. It, it, uh, an action at a specific point in time that has been accomplished that will have continuing results. Now that's my inheritance. Having been written, my name having been written in the Lamb's book of life from before the foundation of the world has guaranteed to me an inheritance that will always be. It's by the power of God, passive. The outside force acts upon me and I get the benefits of it. Perfect passive. Now that's a, that's a What? That refers, to a, an, that refers to a thing, a what. But the next one refers to a who. And they're joined together here in this passage. Who are being guarded. Who are being guarded. That Greek word. Now it is in the present tense. That means that it, it is a continuous and habitual action. It's in, the pre, it's in the present tense and also in the passive voice. So it means in the passive voice that the habitual continual results, namely being guarded, are given to me by another passive voice. Acted, acting upon me. I don't do it. I don't keep myself saved. I don't keep my inheritance pure and undefined. I can't. God does. So now, having already referred to the what, the reference is to the who. And those are the heirs, the joint heirs of, of Christ, with Christ. God's inheritance, his heirs, those of us who are in Christ. Now the word here, uh, fruruminos, fruruminos. It's a Greek word that means to be kept in protective custody. I was a law enforcement officer for 16 years. There were a handful of times that either persons, maybe a judge or whatever, or even a criminal, they were placed in protective custody. 
There was a guy in Etowah County. I won't call his name. Um, He was a serial killer. He was caught up with in Florida for years. He, he was, what, three years or so? A few years. And everybody in Etowah County was seeing him in the woods. They were seeing him in the yard. He's going to kill me. He, he, he had, had everybody scared to death. And after some years, he was caught. And then after some years, of course, the death penalty was given to him just like that. But then he was in the county jail. And he was after after he was after he was after he had his sentence for the death penalty, he was to be transferred from the county jail to the state penitentiary where he would go on that in that area, that place where they would await execution. One of his victims was a sixteen year old boy whom he had shot while the boy was running away, he shot him in the back with a 44 Magnum pistol. The daddy of that boy had vowed to kill this guy. Now this guy, this was back many years ago and it was a big deal in the press, the local press. And so there were, there were people everywhere at the courthouse, at the, at the jailhouse, uh, going to watch him be transferred and for a space he would have to go from the courthouse to a car, a squad car. Then he would be transported to the state penitentiary, to the to death row. We were given pictures of the daddy, pictures of other relatives whom the daddy had might have called upon to be with him, they were going to kill him. Well, he was in our protective custody, so several of us had to be with him all the way through the hallways of the jailhouse where he was, then out into the parking lot, across the parking lot, well, not too far, right out the door, into the car. Then there had to be a car in front of him, a car behind him, and people sitting with him and put him in the middle in protective custody. There were other times we were called upon to be sure that people were protected. They were in our protective custody. I'm thinking of how, of how difficult, you can even think of the President of the United States and Secret Service. Protective custody means that you are guarded over in the highest sense, that's what this word means. I am being guarded over by the power of God through faith. I have faith in Christ. I do not belong to this present world. And my hope is not a dying hope. It's not a dead hope. My hope is a living hope. And that's what is referenced here. The what And the who. My inheritance is the highest and purest and most beautiful thing that God could give me. 
And I am absolutely kept by my penult, by the power of God. Because I have faith in Christ. Nothing can snatch me out of the hand of God. Nothing can penetrate this protective custody that God has placed me in. I have this, I have this wonderful service before my Lord. And in that service, I do this and that and go here and there. But wherever it is, whatever it is, whenever it is, I am in a spiritual protective custody by the power of God because of my faith, through faith. I believe in him. I don't doubt him. It doesn't matter what happens. I don't doubt him. I have been trying to figure out what praise there is to give for bruised ribs. I'll figure it out. It has kept me from doing something that I ought not to do. Whatever it is, I am in protective custody and God always means good by it. Whatever it is. God means good by it. It's a lesson. It's a strengthening. It's a protection. Protective custody. The what is preserved for me and I am preserved all by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time that word revealed it's uh, apocalypse thin enough I can get my glass on thin eye it's the same word that is translated revelation in the last book of the bible apocalypse apocalypse there'll be a great unveiling someday in the last time a great curtain will be pulled back and all that is mine in Christ will be revealed. Now, I may, I may drop dead today and the angels usher me into the presence of my Lord. The question is, well, will I, will I see it? Will I receive? Apparently, it will happen at the last time. You see... Your life, anyone's life, even after we are dead, we are still speaking in this world to a sense. And so the effects of who we are will continue. Continue on and on and on. I believe that's why all that we will have and all that we are in Christ will not be revealed until the last time. Rapture and resurrection, the Bema seat of Christ, the marriage supper of the Lamb, all that He has for me will finally then be revealed according to the language and bestowed upon me. This is why departed saints in some kind of intermediate state 
that's described to an extent in the New Testament. Paul says, whether in the body or out of the body, can't really tell. John the Revelator says, I saw them, they were, they were robed in white. And they were asking questions, how long are you going to wait until our blood is avenged? So they could ask questions. They were, in a, they were in an intermediate state, but they were not yet resurrected. They're not all yet, they will be. But then comes rapture and resurrection. And we're given our great body of glorification, glorified body. A time that's yet to come. You know, the intermediate state, in the presence of Christ, where I am, you'll be with me. In the presence of Christ in the intermediate state, even able to ask questions like those people before the throne in the Revelation. And that'll be a happy time. But even that will pale into comparison of the salvation that is ready to be revealed. The word ready in the Greek text up there, toimen. Uh, it's a word that is often used of a pregnancy, childbirth, ready, uh, fully and completely pregnant to the time to be delivered, ready to be revealed. So there's coming a time, a specific time, and this new thing that we shall find ourselves to be in Christ, this salvation. Salvation is a wonderful thing. We're saved from before the foundation of the world. But then in time and space, we are saved in time according to what God has determined for us in eternity. And it becomes, it becomes a part of time. I was a 10-year-old boy. I publicly responded to the invitation under the conviction of the Lord. God performed in my life in time what he had determined for me in eternity. So I was, I was, I'm forever saved. I was saved. I am being saved by the sanctification and keeping power, the sanctification of the spirit, the keeping power of Christ, who is my intercessor in heaven, my high priest. And I will be saved. The salvation, a salvation, salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The manifestation of the completeness and the revelation of my salvation in the last time. This is who we are in Christ. This is the grace of God preserving his own. And this is a glimpse in these three verses of how he does it for you and for me if we are in Christ. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he came into this world to save sinners. And if you will admit that you're a sinner, believe in Jesus and call on him to save you. Then God, being bound to his word, will save you in Christ. Faith in Christ will save you in Christ.
In just a moment, we'll be dismissed from this room, but right across the hall, we have deacons and their wives standing in the doorways of a couple of rooms, ready to talk to you if you want to come to Christ. If Christ, if God is calling you to come to Christ, you, you talk to them. They'll pray with you, talk to you. Maybe you're already a Christian and God leads you into the membership of this church. They stand ready to answer your questions in that as well. For now, let's stand together and be dismissed in prayer.